This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 306. Yeah, I'd much rather have like 25%, 50% of a much bigger pie than 100% of a little pie. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. 100% of, of nothing, right? Because if it was if I was having to do all by myself, then I would have definitely been limited in terms of what I could do. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David, former prison guard Green. How you doing, David? I'm doing great. We have an incredible show. We do. You're not even going to talk about prison guard. Come on. I, well, it's, it gets talked about in the show <laughs> okay, a little fine. bit, but uh, <laughs> I'm in a much better place in life right now. I don't want to have to go back to talking about prison guard days. I'm hosting the bigger pockets podcast for crying out loud. Let's full steam ahead here. Uh, on the, on the prison note, the reason I brought that up, you guys will listen. It's towards the end of today's show and today's show is pretty long, but so make sure if you're like driving to work, listen to the whole entire thing. Probably one of the funnier moments I think on the bigger pockets podcast in like recent memory is when we talk about what we'll call prison hacking we'll get to it later but before we get there uh david anyway what's up what have you been up to you buying any real estate deals uh i just closed on one about a week ago and now i'm focusing more on some of the rehabs that i already have going on i was able to refinance two more properties and pull money out i think on both deals together i only left like 10 or fifteen thousand dollars between each house and i added about 30 to 40 grand in equity on each one so i was pretty excited about how that worked out that was with the the Burr method. And okay. now I'm thinking about like some of the stuff our guest talks about. She gets into syndication. She gets yeah. into like her seven steps for choosing a market. That was really, really, really good. Really good yeah. A lot of actionable advice in today's episode. Yeah. And the three C's. I love that. You guys are gonna love the three yeah. C's. She talked about raising money. If you guys are looking for like partners or raising money from like private lenders or whatever, like her advice for how to find these people is some of the best I've heard on the podcast for that. Like really, really good stuff. So listen up for that. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Are you about to sell a property? Wait like 60 seconds because this could save you thousands. Our friends at 1031 Pros have saved their clients more than half a billion dollars, with a B, in taxes with 1031 tax-deferred exchanges. With the 1031 exchange, you can say goodbye to the huge capital gains taxes when selling and roll your property's profit into another investment that could make you even more. Whether you're an individual investor, part of a larger group, or a title or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help. Trust me, I've done 1031 exchanges on multiple properties before, and it has saved me tens of thousands in taxes, if not more. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and they specialize in all types of exchanges, delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states. And right now, Bigger Pockets listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash BP. That's my1031pros.com slash BP to get $250 off today. Oh, and make sure to mention Bigger Pockets when you call. They take care of our people over there. 
You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Let's move on. Now, I want to get to today's quick tip, tip, because I almost forgot it. Uh, Today's quick tip is this. Look, uh, we talk about this with Monique later on in the show, but as we're recording this introduction after just recording with Monique, I want to bring up this fact. There are an overwhelming number of males in the real estate investing industry, right? I'm sure you guys have noticed that most of our guests are males, even though I I do think we probably ask about the same number of male versus female. I get shot down from females. So my, my quick tip is this today. If you are a female investor who is crushing it, you've done at least 10 deals, make sure you apply to come on the podcast. Go to biggerpockets.com slash guest and uh, put your name in there. Like we want to talk to more female investors. And if you are a male investor, I want to just encourage all the guys out there uh, to remember like if there if there's a way you can encourage our real estate sisters in what they're doing, don't make them feel bad. I mean, we want to make this an inclusive space for everybody, right? So uh, find little ways that you can try to encourage the female persuasion to get into this business because you, I mean, everybody should be able to do real estate. It's it's the best investment on the planet. And we want to make sure that everyone's aware of that. So absolutely. And that's really what Monique's mission is in both her business, her life. Uh, she's got a lot of really great things to talk about there. So let me, let's just get to that show. Today we're talking with Monique Holm. Monique is a real estate investor who went from doing a few small deals to her first year doing syndication, about over a thousand units in one year. Uh, it's a crazy cool story. And you'll learn kind of the mindset shifts that had to happen to get there, how she uses partners in different ways, how she finds markets, how she finds deals, how she raises money. She's just absolutely crushing it. Uh, You guys are going to love this. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Monique. All right, Monique, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Good to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. So let's talk about your real estate story. Uh, I know a little bit, but not a lot. So uh, let's dive in. I know you, you scaled up pretty quickly at one point, but let's go earlier in your journey. How did you get started with real estate investing? I got started completely by accident. So I knew nothing about real estate investing. All I'd ever been taught, you know, was to buy your house. So I, you know, as my, my, as my parents taught me about money that you should just go be a doctor, lawyer, professor, engineer, you know, like that's go to college, get the best job you can and then buy a house. So I became a lawyer and then after a couple years, I went, oh, I guess it's time to buy that house now. And this was 2005 in Los Angeles, towards the top of the last bubble. And even though I had a six-figure salary, I could not afford a house in a decent neighborhood in L.A. Because, you know, you were, I was looking L- at... L.A. is crazy. Because L.A. is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and seven hundred, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars is what I was looking for for a house and looking at for a house in a semi-decent neighborhood. And so a friend of mine in a similar situation said, well, why don't we buy a duplex? You live on one side, I'll live on the other side. 
And I thought, well, that's a good idea because I could afford half a house. And so we went in to look for something and we ended up, instead of finding a property that had two equal sides, we ended up finding a property that had one bigger unit. It's like it's a big craftsman. And the, the downstairs is one bigger unit. And then upstairs was a smaller two bedroom unit. And then there was a converted garage in the back. And we both wanted to, we both liked that bigger unit. So we yeah. each took a bedroom in that one, ended up renting out the other units. And then we even had a friend rent out our basement. So we, we started, I was like, and then I went, Oh my God, these people are paying our mortgage. <laughs> They're paying our <laughs> yep. expenses. So I was, I accidentally got into house hacking, not even realizing that was a thing. And uh, so that's how my first foray into real estate investing. When I met my husband, he had a duplex and then we got a single family rental together. After 2009, we sold, we ended up, well, we lost, we lost the property in the, in the downturn, but we also ended up selling another property and we had money and we, we started to flip, flip houses because properties were on sale and we were flipping and like, we just learned from those HGTV shows. So it was a lot of like, Oh, that, that looks fine. Let's do that. And after a while, the margins were getting slimmer and slimmer was getting tougher and tougher to make it work. And we thought, okay, well, let's do, let's get a fourplex and we'll buy and hold. And at that point I met, that was 2015. And I ended up meeting somebody who just totally shifted the trajectory of our real estate investing. So we're trying to find this fourplex in LA and couldn't find anything that made any financial sense. And uh, happened to meet Robert Helms of the real estate guys radio. So we had a mutual right. friend who said, you should talk to, you should talk to Rob, my friend, Robert. He's the host of this podcast. And he's also done um, like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate investing. He, maybe he could give you some advice. And I said, he, he probably could. So I ended up meeting him in 10 minutes with him, just like pew, totally shifted like a couple big paradigms and changed everything. So first, so he was asking what I was doing. He was telling me about the flipping and getting the fourplex. And then, and I was saying, yeah, I can't, we can't find anything that's making any financial sense. And he said, you know, uh, LA is a tough market. I always say live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. And I went, huh. Yeah. You know, I never thought of, I never thought about investing outside of where you live. I always thought you had to drive to your property and touch it and self-manage it. I just, I, just didn't know it better. So literally that when he said that, that opened up the world. And then the next thing he said was, and you can get that fourplex by yourself, but you know, you're limited to your own capital and credit. Alternatively, you could bring a group of investors together and you could get a 100 or 200 unit apartment building. And then he started telling me about the benefits of that. It's like how you could leverage and spread the, spread the risks and go further faster. And yeah. And I went, Oh my God. I think my head exploded. I, just, <laughs> when he said that. I always thought you needed Donald Trump's bank account to do that kind of thing. And I just had no idea that was a possibility That's for awesome. like a, a normal person. Well, so, and, so yeah. okay, I want to go unpack all this stuff. This is really good. So first of all, uh, I'll give a shout out to, to Robert and the real estate radio guys like that podcast actually was a huge inspiration for me as well. And in fact, I listened to it so much before 
we ever started the bigger pockets podcast like when i when i when i like you know became good friends with josh and i came on board at bp the first thing i did i was like josh we're gonna start a pod let's start a podcast just like these guys <laughs> like like they were our inspiration so uh i will give a shout out yeah if you guys are looking for a good real estate show listen to the real estate radio guys they do a fantastic job uh really high level stuff uh just very good guys we actually need to get them on the show Anyway, we'll get Robert and Russ are great. They became my mentors and they're just really quality people. And just, yeah. 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 You need to, you need to connect us again. Actually. Yeah. I, I connected with them a long time ago, but we need to connect again. Maybe I'll bug you for an introduction again and we'll get them on the show. Cause yeah, super good guys. So, all right. So let, let's go back to the beginning. So house hacking this idea, right? You bought this thing. I'm curious. You said your husband, when you met him also had a duplex already, right? Yeah, that's funny because I wonder if there's like a thing like like people who like real estate, like people who like real estate, like na- like even though you I, guys didn't know what you were doing, you found each other. I don't know. No idea. Yeah, <laughs> just like, he yeah. he knew a little bit more, but yeah, I was just I, like it was totally an accident. Even though it was you know I had it was house hacking, I still didn't even put two and two together. Like I could replicate this, I yep. could do this more. <laughs> and I was just I still had in my head like trade the time for money. I'm a yep. lawyer. I just. Even though I yeah. I was a miserable I was miserable as a lawyer I hated it but I, that was all I knew yeah so it, it just took like it's like eventually we were doing this I was like oh this is actually giving me the opportunity yeah. to not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's great but that was that's awesome you know, I'm not like the sharpest the sharpest <laughs> in the shed like it could take me a while to figure things like oh it's like I just like accidentally hop into things it's like oh wait this is cool this works that's <laughs> funny I was that's, not as planned that's it's funny. funny as you say I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed and you're like yeah I just became a lawyer and I was kind of bored and so I thought oh maybe I'll go buy a duplex and come up with the most creative solution I've ever heard where we're each going to own half of it and live in our own half like oh I'm just not the sharpest tool in the shed I had to talk to a guru to get started I think your story is awesome so far yeah. Monique like there's a lot of people that are going to have a lot to gain from, from what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Do you know, I was actually going to be a lawyer. I was like, I took the LSAT and like, I was like applying to law schools. And then I read John Grisham's book, The Firm. And it was like, you know, like, which is, it's like a fiction book, right? I bet it, and he just goes over and over and over, like stresses how like horrible being a lawyer is. And I'm like, wait, being a lawyer is not fun. So I started like looking into it and every lawyer is like, don't be a lawyer. Like, my own lawyer was like, don't be a lawyer. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what do I do? I guess I'll flip houses. So I want to go, okay, so you, you did the house hack thing. Yeah, you, good, you then eventually, smart. You were, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. I chose the right. The, my dad still will say to me Definitely. today, he's like, you know, you could still go back to law school. I'm like, thanks, dad. I'm doing okay. But <laughs> the walk, walk me through that idea of flipping houses. I mean, you, where were you doing that at? You were in LA flipping? We were in LA flipping. And, you know, it's funny. Since I've, I've found out, what the prices are in other markets. It was like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we just, we'd sold this, this property and we had, and we had 600,000 that we could play with. So we bought, we bought a few properties at, you know, our first property was on, was just under 300,000, which in LA was like, woo, that's so cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and other markets are like, God, that's really expensive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a, a 1400 square foot, you know, bungalow. Yep. But we just were watching HDTV yep. and we saw those shows flip or flop and whatever. And I thought we could do that. We've done renovations in our houses um, before. So let's, uh, let's just do it and try it and, and have fun. So we had a good contractor that we'd worked with to do our own 
our own homes and uh we we lucked out we never lost any money flipping and i think we we usually made uh yeah 20 to 30 percent on our investments and yeah that's awesome that was yeah it was it was fun until it just got really hard and really um the margin shrunk up yeah in that market yeah yeah they're kind of this like uh ebb and flow in the flipping world, right? Like, like, like flipping works really, really well for a while. Like, first of all, it's really hard to flip because there's like, uh, there's no, you know, I don't know. The economy is horrible and the, we're in the tank. Right. And then everyone like figures out that flipping actually works. And so then it works really, really well for a short time. And then everyone figures out that it's working really well. So everyone gets into it. And it's then again, really hard to find deals, uh, but they're easy yeah. to sell. And then the market crashes again and you can find the deals, but you can't find the money and nobody wants to buy them. And so it's back hard again. So it's like, Flipping is really good on that incline, right? But it gets yeah. If you find yeah. the right market cycle, right, yeah. right, right point in the market cycle, and we we were in the right point in the market cycle when we started. So so what yeah. what skills do you think people need to be really good at in order to flip houses? And and you did you have those? Did you build those? What can you tell us about that? Well, I think I mean there are a couple of things that that make a a difference. I mean. First is really being able to understand the the market and where where it's going. So having a really good sense of where what you're buying at for, for how much it's going to cost you, how, or what you know, just understand the numbers so that you have enough margin that is going to work. And then you have to be really good at putting together a great team because time is money when you're doing flipping because you're not making anything, but you still have to pay for them, pay you know, your expenses. If some, some we did all cash, other, others, we, we got some financing, but you're, you're still paying the financing, paying the property taxes, paying utilities. So it, it, you know, the longer it takes you, the, the more, the more you're going to lose. So yeah, you need to have a really great team with yeah. you. So you have to be able to put together the best um, contractors and, and they need to work fast and work well. Um, and then also get a sense of the question I would always ask is, is this change going to pay? Is, is this going to pay for itself? Right. Is the, a lot of people want to go into flipping and make the, make the house that they would want to buy that they would want to live in. And then they're going to over, over improve the house. Yeah. So it's not, you don't necessarily need the nicest materials, the best of, you know, it, it depends on the, the area, but you want to make it nicer, but not too nice that you're not going to be able to recoup your investment in the, in the property. So it was, yeah. you always want to ask, is this going to pay for itself? That's so, the so same way that Brandon has to figure out how he should be like maintaining his beard. <laughs> he wants it to be nice, but not too nice to where he like shows up everybody else that comes on the show. He's Clearly. in that same struggle that you're at when it comes to upgrading a house. Cause it's if a, you go too far life. with it, yeah, then you look like a Greek God with a marble chiseled beard. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been looking at his beard. Just yeah. Feeling, you know, yeah. Feeling, and you get sucked into it. Right? I could have one like, like that. a vortex. That's good. <laughs> Monique, you said something very interesting. You said you need to find the right partners. And a lot of people are wanting to get started investing in real estate, just like you. And they just don't know how to take that first step. And in my opinion, and Brandon's opinion, and I know yours too now, you know that having a partner is something something that can bridge that gap between where I am and getting that first deal. Once you get the first deal, like all the dominoes just start falling in place, right? Like you met yeah. your husband and now the two of you can work together because you each had something separately before. Can you give me an idea 
of some tips that people should look for in another partner? Like, do you have any criteria that you're looking for when you're evaluating would this person be a good partner? And if so, what are they? Yeah, absolutely. Real estate is such a relationship business, right? So like who you who you partner with is is crucial. And I I learned something from a, a woman, Beth Clifford. She's an international developer and kind of a mentor of mine. And she talks about the three C's. And this is something that I learned from her and always follow with everybody I work with. And the three C's are this. So first is character. You want to the look for the what's the the character of the person that you're working with that you can't you have no control over right so the character have to be high high integrity honest they're they're people that are trustworthy they're good people for me it's important that they are not transactional and so not just about the deal and themselves but really about relation relationships so why you know my philosophy is I want to have relationships for life with people and not it's not just about this one deal I want to be able to do deal after deal after deal I want project after project I want I want it be friends I, you know I want to have a relationship with somebody for a whole lifetime and not just like let's get them in there and then like chew them up spit them out and then yep. go next right so they they need to be that way as well so character is first and foremost, and they just need to do what they're going to say, what do what they're say, what they're going to do and do it and then actually do it. Yep. They do what they say. Then I look for commitment. So how committed are they to the project? How committed are they? Um, they have, to, you know, if you say you have a contractor and they like, you've asked them to do this work and then they're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But then they have five other projects that they're also working on. So they're not really committed to you mm. and your timeline mm. or you, you know, you have another partner and maybe they're not also committed to the same value. So I, for me, I want to leave a property and a community better than I found it, not just with flipping, but with every property we have. And they need to have that same commitment to excellence and to leaving something better than they found it and but and commit commitment to win wins as well. So I look for commitment. And then lastly is capacity. So are they do they have the capacity to do what you you're partnering with them for? So if they're contractors and they're excellent contractors, if they are developers and they're excellent developers, if they are uh, you know, if they're the, your broker, then they're the best broker. If they're, you know, whatever it yeah. is, then that is, they're like excellent at it. They're the best. Mm -hmm. I've learned that you work with the best. They won't cost you money. They'll make you money. So I always try to work with the best at, uh, you know, whatever it is that they do. That is so good. That That is really good. All right. So Monique, what I love about this is when you first started talking about it, I thought you like, I thought we were talking just like business partners, right? We say partners, but in reality, I love that you look at that in a bigger sense, right? Because when you're working with a contractor, you are partnering with that contractor to get a job done. When you're working with a lender, you're partnering with that lender to get a job done. It, that doesn't necessarily mean just, you know, this is my business partner who's on the top of my business plan, right? This is anybody you work with has got to have those three C's, the character, the commitment, and capacity. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I look for that with anybody. And I I guess it's not the legal definition of partner, but it's no, just, I like if it. they're on my on the team, on the team yeah. then I consider them a partner in this team in this deal that we're doing and they need to have those three C's. 
I think that's really easy to follow advice for anyone who's asking that question of, well, what do I look for? And it causes this anxiety. How do I know who to partner with? Right. You just break that down really simple. Are they high character? Ask them questions to find out. Do they just care about making money and they're going to take advantage of you or they're not going to hold up their part? Or are they looking for a lifelong relationship where they don't want to kill the sheep? They want to shear the sheep, get the wool, let it grow back and then, you know, be able to do that again. Commitment. Are they, I love your definition of they want to leave it better than they found it, right? Are they committed to doing things the right way and bringing value to the relationship and capacity? We don't really talk about that enough, but that's a really big point, right? Like how good somebody is at what they do should go into you deciding if you're going to work with that person or not. And you said something really smart is like great talent does not cost you money. It makes you money. And I see that in my job as a real estate agent constantly. There's agents who are not very good that really need a deal. And their big value is I'll discount my commission more than the other person. And you save five grand or 10 grand on the commission and you give up 50, 60, $70,000 on what you could have made on the house if you had a good experienced agent. Exactly. And it's like that with contractors, right? You'll get a contractor that'll come in and say, oh, uh, I'm cheaper than the next guy. Use me. And then he goes like six weeks over and your hard money costs are stacking up and the market turns on you and interest rates go up and you don't get as much for your house because you you didn't focus on his capacity, how good they were. You focused on like how cheap they were. So that 3C system, yeah. like, I bet you could apply it to almost anything. It, it wouldn't just be real estate. That's really good. Yeah, it's it really is anybody that you want to work with. If you're going to hire somebody, an employee, you look at the three C's and right. any, yeah. anybody. And you're right. Yeah. Like you can be like penny wise, pound foolish and try uh -huh. to try to save a save a buck by going with the cheaper person. And then you end up being screwed. Yep. Yeah. Because it costs you so much more or they're just crap and they don't do it right. And then you have to go and hire the, the good person to come and fix what they you know, what they did in the first place. And so, uh, so this, is, this is really good. Uh, made that mistake before. <laughs> You've got this system where now you're confident finding partners. You buy some small multifamily deals. You get some momentum going. You kind of understand what you're doing. And then at some point you've scaled up really quickly because now you're doing some big stuff, right? Can you tell me like what that process looked like with how you scaled up and then maybe how those three C's translate into the new world that you're operating in? Sure. So as like I was saying before, I, you know, I, I had this conversation with Robert Helms and I found, you know, he said about bringing groups of investors together. And I went, yeah, I want to do that. Right. That was just like, yeah. ding, 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 yep. it lit up in my head. And I went, I went home that night and I told my husband, like, let's, let's, let's do this thing. Let, let's learn how to do this. And so we signed up for his syndication seminar. The, the real estate guys do a syndication seminar several times a year where they teach people that how to bring groups of investors together to buy larger properties. And so we, we went and just loved it. And I thought, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. We started mentoring with them and we got some other mentors because I realized that if I was going to be taking other people's money and, you know, I had to, I was going to, it, they're going to entrust their money with me. And I really, really, really needed to know what I was doing. Yeah. So I invested a lot uh, in mentorship and trainings. And I, I think like a good, at least 60 grand that year and, wow. and probably more over the, over the course of time to, to learn and train, but it, it paid off. So in that one year we did some, we did four, four syndications and we did some 
we passively invested in some things and then we syndicated for for deals and we got over a thousand units in that one just that first year. Wow. By, okay. I, I need to unpack that. Partnering with other people. Okay, I need to yeah, I need to unpack that. First of all, uh, can you explain to those who don't know what the word syndication means? Like what is like we're kind of talking yeah. around it here. What is, what is that? And then yeah, that'll go on from there. Yeah. So a syndication is basically a a group of investors that come together to purchase a property. And there are usually how it happens is there's a there are passive investors and active investors in a syndication. So the active investors, sometimes they're called the sponsors, sometimes they're called the syndicators, are the people that will find the deal, bring the investors together uh, and manage the asset, not necessarily... They're not necessarily property managers, but we'll hire third party property managers, but we're managing the managers, making sure the taxes get paid and distribution checks get sent out. So we're managing the, the asset, managing the investment. And then there are passive investors who pay in to the investment and they'll you know, say they we get an apartment building that's going to five million dollar apartment building and we are raising Uh, $1 million of um, equity or like for the down payment and another million dollars for capital expenses. I'm just throwing out some numbers. Uh, So we're raising $2 million for this property. Then, uh, you know, in $100,000 increments, we get 20 people to put in $100,000 each and they just share in the returns. So the active investors will put it, will do the work and manage it. And then the, the passive investors put in the money and, and and it comes back with friends. That's awesome. So that's uh, basically a syndication. Yeah. Syndication is yeah. really powerful, right? Because you're, you're bringing together and creating a win-win situation, right? So you got people who have money, you know, a lot of times we talk about this thing and I put it in the book that we, uh, Josh and I wrote recently called uh, the deal Delta is this, is this concept. And it basically says that in any deal, you have to have three things. You have to have uh, knowledge, to know what you're doing. You have to have hustle. In other words, the person getting things done and then you have to have money. But in any deal, you don't have to be all three of those things, right? So what I love about syndication is that it says, hey, I'm going to have the knowledge and I'm going to have the hustle, but I'm going to bring in other people for the money. And those people are saying, well, I don't have time for the hustle and maybe I don't have time for the knowledge or maybe they have the knowledge, but no hustle, but but they have money. And there's a lot of people, especially in today's world that have money, uh, you know, the stocks, their stocks have done great. Their house is, you know, shot up 500 grand in the last few years. They've got this cash and they're like, well, what do I do with it? So what they do is they, you, y'all come together and the syndicator, which is what you're doing is you, you put it all together. You make all the magic happen. It's very, very powerful. Uh, now the downside, yeah. of course, is you're sharing your profits with a lot of other people, right? Well, I mean, yes and no. So like most people they have, so say you, you have, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000 to invest in a syndication, but you don't have the whole thing to buy an apartment building. Yep. So you're also able to leverage other, even as a passive, you're leveraging other people's money to be able to get into it. And then your money might be making you 10%, 12%, uh, you know, and it's, it's without you doing any work, it's yeah. coming back with friends. So a lot of people are, are very happy yep. to invest in that kind of deal. When I, started, I thought that it would be really hard 
to find the money. I thought, oh gosh, you know, people, why would people want to give me money yeah. to, to do this kind of I, thing? I have the same fear. First yep. of all, they're not giving me money. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not, a, it's not about me is what I've learned. It's never, ever, ever about me. They're, they're not doing it for me. They're not gifting me anything. They're doing it because they want their money to grow. And this is an opportunity for them to grow their money. And they're so happy to have, you know, where it's like a bank account, they're lucky if it's making 1%. The stock market um, is really, really high. So if you're going to be putting in money now, it's, you know, it, you know, like you, you try to buy low and buy high. It's like, it's not a good time to buy. And, you know, on average, it'll make 7%, but it's like, it really depends on when you, you know, that, so this, I, I don't, I can get it, go into the stock market, why it's not as good of an investment, but let's just say that people want to have their money in real property and they want, they want it to be making, and then there are all the tax benefits too, that, that accrue to real estate investing. And you can get that. And even as a passive investor, so people are happy to get their money in working and the finding the money is the easy part. It's really, it's finding deals that make sense. That's, that's more challenging. There's something I really like about what the syndication model that you're describing. I know it's easy to get hung up on. Well, I don't want to bring in investors because I'll give up a piece of the deal. And that means the profit, right? And in any, any deal at all, there's two things going on. There's what you're earning. There's the money you're making. And there's what you're learning, which is usually even more valuable. And because those two things rhyme, it sounds like it has to be wisdom when I say it. Because obviously, if something rhymes, it has to be true, right? But that's, that's in this true. case, it really is. Right. So when you're a passive investor, you're earning money and you're not doing any work and you don't necessarily have to have any knowledge. Right. But when you're the person in your seat, Monique, not only are you earning money, but you are the one who's getting the knowledge. That's probably the most valuable thing in the entire deal. And you're growing in your understanding, in your experience, in your wisdom, in your capacity to now go earn more money in different ways because you got the experience. You built the relationship. You were the one managing it all. And there's way more value in that than just what you're earning, right? So that's something I think people should keep yeah, in mind. Absolutely. Don't just get hung up on I'm giving away part of the deal. Like I don't like to invest passively in other people's deals as much because I feel like I miss out on the learning. Like he's making the relationship with the broker. He's finding the lender. He's understanding how agency debt works versus private money. He knows what a bridge loan is. All I know is whatever my little like quarterly statement says of how things went and I get my money back passively. So for those who are interested in syndicating, I think that that's something to consider. You're the one gaining all the experience and that makes it much more powerful for you when you're in that position. Now, for those people who are hearing this and they're thinking, okay, this sounds good. Tell me a little bit, Monique, about what a typical conversation would be like when you're talking with someone's new who could be interested in investing with you. How do you find those people? How do you like bring that topic up? It's obviously you're not standing in line at Safeway and like, hey, you look like you have a Gucci purse. You probably have money. Would you like to invest <laughs> in my deal? Right. Like help people understand what it looks like to casually and naturally bring this up. OK, I will. But can I make a point first about something you just said? Um, you Please. actually can learn a lot as a passive investor. So we, we started, we got our, we started as passives in order to learn what it's like to be a syndicator. So we learned by putting, you know, coming into a deal and being alongside and going, okay, how are they doing this? What are they doing? You actually can learn a lot as a passive. If you have that desire to, to learn, then I think being a passive is a great way to learn what, what works and what doesn't work from the 
active side. Yeah, I think you have to be um, like so actively yes. seeking to learn, right? Like you have like, yeah, it's yes. a huge opportunity. Like right now I invested in a, in a, in a deal a month ago, two months ago, something like that, somebody's syndication. And I have literally chosen not to learn anything from this. Like I've just been like, I don't want to <laughs> know what you're doing because I'm busy with this other projects that I'm working on. So like I've chosen not to, but if I wanted to, I could learn. I mean, I did learn a lot just in the process of, you know, vetting the deal and stuff. But like, it's all what I love about that is that you can choose, right? If you want to learn more about syndication, put money into somebody's syndication and then ask questions and watch them and, and, and learn. Exactly. Yeah. And if learn. You, if learn you don't want to, way. fine. And, and you should, you need to know enough to invest yeah. in, the, in the syndication, right? So I would not take money from somebody. Uh, this, this is, partially answering the, the, the next, the question you had just asked, but I, I don't want to take money. I can, I cannot like legally, I really cannot take money from somebody who does not understand the deal. Yep. They have to understand how it works and what their money is going to be doing, what the risks are. Cause there are always risks with any investment. And so I, I will spend a lot of time educating my investors or potential investors to make sure that it is a fit for them and that they understand what the deal is and they understand what the risks are because, uh, you know, you, you can't just put in your, Oh, wow. That like, well, Sheila seems like a really nice person. I'm just going to write her check for a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, or, uh, you know, and then just go, yeah, that sounds good. Or you can't, you can't invest that way. You really need to make sure that you understand the deal. Um, and so you're going to learn, you need to learn enough to know what is a good deal for you. Yeah. So I, I just want to really put that out. And so th- I think the, the question that David had asked was, how do I find investors? Yeah. And so a, a, a few ways. Most of my investors have actually found through different real estate groups. And I, those are the easiest investors to work with because they are educated. Uh, they understand real estate. They understand, they understand the deal and they understand why they would want to invest in real estate. So not everybody knows why would you want to invest in real estate? I, I was, I, I was an attorney. I went to an Ivy league school. I, you know, I was joking before I'm not stupid, but I really did not understand real estate (laughs) or that was something that I would want to look into or try to do. I just had no clue about it. So when you are, and I, when you're talking to somebody who has no clue about it, then it's a much bigger hurdle to try to get them to understand what is real estate investing? What is the syndication? Why would they be interested in doing that? Why, you know, so there's a lot of educational steps that you have to take before you can get them, you, you, you'll, well, I'm not get them to invest with you. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll take their money. And it's a lot easier for people who, you know, are already, they get real estate and they're like, okay, that makes sense. I get it. I have this extra money. It's in my, it's in my self-directed IRA. I can't act, you know, I can't be active with it. I have this passive money. Let me invest it with you. So probably, 80% of my investors I've met through real estate groups. And a lot of them are syndicators themselves. They just, some, some of your, you know, a lot of it will be self, self-directed retirement account money that they can't put into their own syndications and they'll put it in other people's syndications. Yeah. 
So uh, a lot of them are that way. And then the other 20% have been friends and family. And then also um, some, uh, you know, people that are, I've met through my group. So I have a group that I created for women, real estate investors, real estate investor goddesses, where I, it's um, education, inspiration, uh, mentorship and sisterhood for women who want to invest in real estate. And through that group and through women who train and understand syndication, I have, um, I've gotten, I have investors from there too. So in other words, networking, like you, networking, you put yourself out there, you go to local events, you talk with people, you teach people, you help people and people naturally want to invest with you. That's awesome. Yeah, basically that's it. And then I look for the same three C's in my investors as well. So they need to be good character. And also like, and part of that is being easy to work with, but also just like honest and they do, do what they're going to say, which is, they don't have much, much to do, uh, but still yep. like you say, you're going to wire the money. Yeah. They better wire it. Yeah. Just like, just be easy. And then like a commitment to the deal and knowing that we are all about helping leaving a property and community better than we found it and not necessarily trying to squeeze out the most money. We do want to make money, but you know, we're not going to be slumlords or anything like that in order to do so. So it's not always about how do you make the most buck, but how do you do it well? And then capacity, they just need to be able, like I said, they need to be able to understand the deal. They need to be able to understand what they're getting into. So, you know, and legally I'm required to either have people that are accredited and or sophisticated. So they're, they have to be sophisticated enough to understand the deal. So if they're not sophisticated, I can't, I legally, I can't take their money. Yeah. You said something I think that's very powerful and I want to make sure that we don't skip over it. You said you need your investors to do what they say they're going to do. I know there's so many people that are looking for the secret sauce. Like, how do I get successful in business? How do I get deals? How do I get agents or brokers or wholesalers to bring me the deal before someone else? I swear, if there's one thing I've learned that's more important than anything, it's just do what you say you're going to do. Like, I I can't overstress this enough. You can be the most boring, weird, odd person. (laughs) But if you say you're going to do something and you do it, people... Like that. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> people who can't do this overcompensate by growing a beard, right? And, and it may work at first, but eventually you get exposed. However, you, beard it, will you, only take you so far. That's exactly right. Brandon, can we tweet that? Beard will only take you so far from Monique after today's show. That's our sure. tweetable quote. Great uh, one. I like Monique. So, like I found as a real estate agent, the number one thing I can do to screw up getting somebody's business is to say, Hey, I'm going to get back to you on this. I'm going to do this thing. And then I don't do it. And it's never nefarious, right? I found for me, it was always when I'm driving in my car and I'm like, I talk to a person. He's like, yeah, I think I want to sell my house. I don't know what it's worth. And I say, Hey, no problem. I'm going to look that up and I'm going to get back to you with some comparables. Right. And then I just, get on a phone call and then that leads to another phone call and my mind goes somewhere else. And I get back to the office and I totally forgot I was going to do that. And then two weeks later, I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I want to get back to you. And they're like, you're a flake, man. I, they just do not trust you. You cannot recover 
from saying you'll do something and not doing it. So I had to develop a system where I would get somebody else involved so I couldn't mess it up, right? I would immediately say, I need you to email me and say, David, can you run comps for me? And I forward that email to my assistant. We make, she puts it on a to-do list. Now I don't forget, right? That one little change that made me do what I said I was going to do leads to like closing way more deals. And that's something other investors should understand is if you reach out to an agent and you're like, I want to buy a house, send me houses that come out and you make them do this work. And then you don't buy the houses that match your criteria, they're just going to stop bringing you deals completely. So Monique, like it's great advice. Just if you can only take one thing from this show, it's don't make a promise that you're not going to deliver on and don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. You're better off to just not tell somebody that than it is to tell them and then not do it. Something that I also want to make sure that we, we touch on here that you've, you've mentioned several times is you're investing in, like you said, I live where I want, I invest where it makes sense. And obviously I'm a huge proponent of that because that's the the book I wrote. It's about that very topic. Like you should be investing where the numbers make sense, not what's convenient for you with where you live. One of the questions I get asked more than anything else is how do I know what market to invest in? I know my market. I don't know those markets, right? So can you give us a general idea of your criteria for when you're trying to figure out what could be a good market to invest in what you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. So I look at seven factors when I'm choosing a market and um, and when a, a market has all seven of these factors, it's hard to to lose in that market. And when a market doesn't have it, it's hard to win. So the first is population growth. So people people are moving in there and the population is growing. If you have properties, you need people to live in your properties or you need people to work in your properties. And so you need the population is growing, you're likely to have tenants. Hand in hand with that is the second factor, which is job growth. So the people are, are coming, they often come because there are more jobs, but they're, the people that are there will have jobs. <laughs> they'll, they'll be able to pay to, uh, to rent your properties. So, so job growth. The third is a diversified economy. So you don't want to be in that one factory town, right? That like, yes. like that one or even that one industry town. Um, it might be have like several factories, but it's all like that one industry. And then that one industry is just is devastated. And there goes all your jobs and your Detroit. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it has to be pretty diverse. Uh, you want lots of different types of industries, lots of different types of companies, big companies, a really strong, robust, diversified economy. So that's number three. Number four is landlord friendly. You are a landlord. And so you want to be in a market where it is easy to be a landlord. I live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is not very landlord friendly. It is so tenant friendly. And and then, you know, but we'll contrast that where we have a, a building in Dallas. Right. So Dallas is very landlord friendly in L.A. If I have a tenant that stops paying then it could take me upwards of nine months to get rid of them because it is just really hard to to have somebody to have a tenant evicted, you know, even if they're not paying rent. Contrast that with Dallas, usually within three weeks, they could be out. So when you still have to pay uh, your mortgage and you still have to pay utilities and you still have to pay property taxes, the difference between three weeks and nine months can be the difference between you keeping your property and losing it. So um, landlord friendliness really helps. And then business friendliness is number five. So a business friendly market 
A is more likely to have the job growth and diversified economy, but you are a business as you know, when you have real estate. And so that can be tax that can, uh, has to do with the, your the taxes and it can have to do with regulations and it just is easier to, to do business there. So personally, it's easier for you to, to do business in that market, but also other businesses will be more attracted to that market and that'll contribute to job growth. So that's number five. And number six is the market cycle. So there are four parts of the market cycle. A market is rising. So it's, it's grow, it's really growing in jobs and population. And it's like, it's on, it's on the rise. Uh, then another cycle is hot, like booming market. So it's, it's, kind of gotten there already and it's just hot, hot, hot. There's a lot of action going there, but it tends to be on the, on the expensive side and because it, it's just very hot. And then the next cycle is a, as a declining market, right? Um, it's on the, the population is going down. The, the jobs are going down it's on the decline. And then you have a stable market. So it's not really rising or falling. It's just stable and steady. So I like yeah. to invest in a rising market. That's when you're going most likely to find the best deals. Uh, when it's hot, you, you deals can be found. Generally, those are more about relationships. If you have good relationships, you might be able to find deals, but it's, that's the most challenging. And then declining obviously doesn't have the, the other market factors you, you need. And then the stable market you could, you could do too, but it can be hard to make that one grow. To, uh, so I like a rising market. And then last but certainly not least is familiarity. Yeah. So you or one of your partners really needs to be incredibly familiar with the conditions on the ground. What? Uh, because you can say, OK, Dallas is a great market, but not all the neighborhoods in Dallas are equal. So some mm -hmm. some places are really chic and shishi and they're they're class a and then other places are like war zones and you don't want to be there and then and then even between like you could be in a decent market but you're in the i mean decent sub market decent neighborhood but you're in the wrong block yep. or you're on the wrong street and sometimes that like the the difference between being on one block versus another block can be the difference between having a successful investment and an unsuccessful investment so you need that familiarity and that level of familiarity with the market and all of those yeah. things contribute to a successful investment for me that's really, really good. The seven factors for choosing market. And in case you guys are listening right now, anybody listening and didn't get to write that down, you're maybe driving, uh, just go to biggerpockets.com slash show three zero six. Again, biggerpockets.com slash show three oh six. And we will actually we'll list those out there as well. Uh and have of course have links to you know everything else we're talking about today. But I just want to make sure if you're driving, don't you know, text and drive and try to write this stuff down. So uh really, really good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, finding a market. So go in go into that. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, that first year you said the first big year of syndicating, you bought four properties and over a thousand units during that year. So where are these located? Where are some of the markets you found success in? And what are these properties? Are they multifamily? Are they commercial properties? What are they? So the first one we did was a mobile home park nice. actually in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And then um, we had some passive investments in Atlanta and Dallas. And then we syndicated two apartment buildings in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then we got another, we syndicated a development project in Lake Charles, Louisiana, development of a RV park, oh, wow. workforce housing RV park. Um, wow. 
And so all of that, yeah, happened in that first year. That's cool. So mobile home park. I did not know that. Like I, I bought one recently and I really, I really, really like mobile home parks right now. and just kind of digging them. What made you want to yeah. go with a mobile home park? So it was, it was about finding the right partner. So we found, um, I just, I had a, met a friend through being out networking who is big into mobile homes and he had several and he was doing another one and asked if I wanted to sub syndicate uh, the park with him and said, yeah, let's do it. I, I like mobile homes. I like that. They are, um, I like that you I, actually, I like the parks. I like that you can own the, the land, but not necessarily own the home and the yeah. tenants will own the home and that they tend to stay a long time and they are, they're really they can be good cash cow properties. So I, I was sold. That's awesome. Yeah. Same, same reasons. I like that a lot. Okay. So you're finding deals by finding partners, right? Is that the kind of the primary thing you're working with different people who can, so yeah. would you say your role primary focuses on the money raising side or on what would you say like you, like your favorite part of the thing that you do the best is in these deals? Yeah, it's more on the, it's more on the money raising side so that we do have, so on the Albuquerque properties, we have been running those deals, managing the assets more. Um, but in the, on the other ones, we've been more on the money side and investor relationships. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, like it just shows when you get in these larger deals, like if you're talking about like these large, you know, you, have, you did a thousand units in a year, it's okay to like, you bring in people who are really good at certain things. Like what's their, like their, what is their, I don't know, you call it like genius or whatever. Like what are they really good at? And you're really good with, you know, for example, that part of things, maybe somebody else is really good at finding a mobile home park or they're really good at, you know, whatever it is that people are good at. Right. So that's the beauty of a syndication is you bring together really top level people to work together. And who cares if you split, you know, the deal two ways, three ways, four ways, like at the end of the day, if it's a big enough deal, you're probably better off than doing it by yourself. Uh, would you agree? Yeah. I'd much rather have like 25%, 50% of a much bigger pie than a hundred percent of a little pie or a hundred percent of nothing. Right. Cause if it was, if I was having to do all by myself, then I would have definitely been limited in terms of what I could do. Uh, definitely would not have accomplished. I don't know. I, I may, may may have gotten that fourplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By ourselves, but definitely would not have gotten anywhere near where we went if we were doing this alone. So yeah, I'm, I'm much happier to get a smaller piece of a much larger pie. I think that there's some wisdom packed into what you're saying that involves like a mindset shift that experienced investors that are doing deals have understood and newbies that are trying to figure out how to make their way into real estate haven't quite got right. So Brandon has this analogy of if you have a lot of tools on your tool belt, you can tackle a lot of projects in a, in a home renovation. So you're not confined to all I can do is paint cabinets. So I have to find a house that has everything great except for cabinets, right? If you've got all these different tools, you can be more flexible and flexibility, it builds wealth. You have more options, right? And it, the same would be the case for like a, a professional sports team that has a lot of different offensive weapons. They can do a lot of different things. And I think a lot of newbies, they start off just thinking, this is what I'm comfortable with. And I'm just looking for something that meets this little scope of what I can do. Like I have this one hammer and I have to find a house that only needs nails to be hammered yeah. in. And that is not how the good investors think. What they think is what resources do I have available 
then how do I use those? Right? Like that's how the best coaches would think as well. Last year we ran the ball a lot, but this year my running back got hurt and we're not that good. Our offensive line doesn't block very well for running, but I have some great wide receivers and a really good quarterback. Let's find a different strategy to put an offensive game plan together that takes advantage of my weapons and they adapt to their environment. They don't try to find one thing in the environment that would adapt to them. And it's like that when you find a partner, like you could start off thinking, I want to flip houses like what you're saying, Monique. And then you come across this partner who's very wealthy and knows mobile home parks, but they just don't want to put time into it. And you realize, wow, I just got a great wide receiver. What plays can I run that would get that person the ball and help our team win? And your whole business model shifts based on the talent that you have, but you learn a whole bunch. And now you have that in your tool belt. I understand mobile home park investing. And you find another person who's a great contractor and trying to get their business off the ground and they're going to give you great deals or maybe do the construction work at cost so that they can have a part of the deal. And you're like, heck yeah, I'll go flip houses because my remodel is half as much as the next person's, right? That's how business actually gets done by successful people. And as you're listening to this, that's what I want you to understand is don't try to force your round peg into a square hole. If you got to go get a square peg, if that's what you're looking at, like Monique has understood, I live in LA. I'm working really hard to find one stinking fourplex. I do not like wasting my time. I'm a lawyer. My time is worth a lot of money. I'm smart. Why don't I just go where there's a bunch of round holes for the round peg that I have that I can make it work with? She comes up with her criteria for choosing a market. She shares it with us. Now you can go to where it makes sense to invest. And that's just kind of what I want people to understand about why Monique was successful is she knows she's smart, but she was flexible. She said, well, I'll take what the resources I have available to me are and I'll go apply them in a way that makes sense. And now she's building wealth and doing some huge deals. And I just, I have a lot of respect for the way you've gone about this. I think you're doing it really well. And a lot of people should be encouraged. If you think like Monique thinks, then you'll have the same success that she does. Wow. That was like the longest analogy I've ever heard. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> what I what I really want to know is tell us what one of your deals looks like, right? I'm really curious to see how you put one together. So if it's okay with you guys, why don't we move on into the deal deep dive and dive deep into one of Monique's deals? Deal deep dive. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. 
Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. All right, let's get to the deal deep dive. These uh, or this is the part of the show where we dive really deep into one particular deal that you've done. So Monique, do you have a deal in mind that you want to talk about today? I do. I want to talk right. about the workforce housing RV park development deal. Oh, that's that I cool. Did All right. Like Charles, Louisiana. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So let me let me go through these uh, seven questions. Me and David can kind of go back and forth, I guess. I'll go first. What kind of property... I guess I, that's pretty obvious. You just said it, but I'll ask it anyway. What kind of property was it? Uh, it's actually really interesting because this property was we don't own the we don't own the land. It's actually a land lease that we have a 15 year lease on with uh, option to extend to 20 years. And but we're we got a we got the land permitted for a RV park, and it, this is a this is in a market where. There's a huge amount of development happening. So maybe that's not, actually not maybe. There's $118 billion worth of new construction projects happening wow. in Lake Charles right now. And so there's tens of thousands of construction workers coming into that market with not enough housing. And they a lot of them are highly paid construction workers. They get they're making 80, 100,000 a year and they have a per diem for per, per to stay and they like to take their per diem get yep. a rv 
and then be in an RV park. They can pocket, they can pocket some of the money, but there's all of the RV parks in that area are hundred percent full. And there's tens of (laughs) like, there's tens of thousands more people than there's spots. So they, we, we had this, uh, our, my, my partners got this land uh, leased and got it permitted and we, we were able to, um, to develop this park. That's cool. Very nice. I really like where you're going with this. Okay. How'd you find this deal? So through relationships. So I met the developer at a conference, just, you know, we kind of dated a little bit, right? Like I got to know each other, uh, was able to assess like his character and, um, you know, like the three C's, uh, and, just thought, okay, this he and our, our other partners on the ground, the two incredible women developers down there. And so we, we all met and thought, okay, this is a good fit. And we like we love the project. We love them. And it's like, okay, we're going to raise raise money for this project. So that's how we right. that's how I found it. So speaking of money, how much was now this might be a little different because it's a land lease. I mean you're renting yeah. the land, but how much like, tell us the numbers of the deal. Okay, so the we're renting the land for fifteen thousand a month, and the development costs was were two point seven million, and we syndicated the the debt. So we syndicated all the money to develop the 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 uh, the land, and we it was it's an interesting way of organizing this particular deal or structuring the deal. So the the investors are have a debt interest at first. So they're, they're actually being paid 6% on their money. Well, we're, we're, we're about to open in two weeks. So it's still been in the development stage, but they're, they've been able to get interest on their money. And then once their interest is paid off, which should be within three to four years of uh, our doors opening, then they convert to equity. Okay. Uh, And then they, so they'll get their money plus 6% and then it converts to equity. So that's uh. That's how that deal was structured. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Go ahead, Brandon. No, you, you take it. You take it. You said, ah, like okay, you were fine. starting to go. How'd you nego- <laughs> I was going to say, how did you negotiate it? Like tell any negotiation stories in that, in this deal. So, um, yeah, there was, so in terms of the negotiation, there were negotiations about like the lease and the development and then negotiating how we, we came into the project a little later, right? So at this point, there was already, they already had the land permitted. Um, so it was about negotiating what, how do we, how do we fit into the deal? So it was partly, it was a certain acquisition fee for the money we brought in, plus a, a percentage of the of the deal on the back end. Cool. Okay. Now you mentioned a little bit about that you funded it with syndication debt. Was there any other kind of funding that you used for something other than developing the land? So the, the money was, yeah, it was all for developing. So we had to bring in the utilities and we put, we put in a general store, a a little, um, an office and a laundromat into, into it. But mostly it's 
it's just it's like a glorified parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I really like that because our the people that are leasing are not our tenants. So it's, it's really it's a parking lot uh, laws that govern. So people don't pay. They just get towed. There's no. I like the easiest eviction ever. Yeah. 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 Call to the tow like, company. You, you know, you know, they like, call the tow truck and <laughs> off they're towed and that's it. Um, so that's kind of cool. The, but the money was pretty much just for the development plus, you know, a couple of the, the fees. And then we, we set aside a certain percentage for interest payback as well. So that people, you know, often when you invest in a development, you don't get any money until the the development is done and complete. Yeah. But the way it was structured is that the investors were getting 6% since day one. Okay. That's cool. So then yeah. what what's the plan? I mean, normally I say, what did you do with it? But this is in process. So what's the plan? Like we kind of combine this one and the outcome. Like what what's the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years look like with this deal? Yeah. So the, um, when we open this coming month and, uh, I don't know when, when this is going to broadcast, maybe we'll be open by the time, uh, the podcast, uh, is, is out, but it's going to, it's, it's actually almost a hundred percent pre-lease. So our doors will open and we, we have it set up so that the 70% of the profits goes to pay back the um, investors until their money is converted until they're, they're all paid back plus 6%. And then it converts to, they convert to equity and then it's 50, 50 at that point. And our, our plan is just to hold it for 15 years. And then if it's still going strong in 15 years and we'll, we'll do another, we'll exercise our option to, for the, for the next, uh, five years after that, everybody should have their money back within three or four years. So then it's just infinite return and it's just cash flowing and it's a very highly cash flowing property. So it's really nice. All righty. Well, yeah. what lessons kind of last of the, the, the deep dive, what lessons have you learned on this whole deal so far? So the first is relationships relationships are everything. Our relationship to get into the deal, but you know, like most developments, there have been some development delays. We were supposed to open in the spring. Various things have happened with utilities and neighbors. Uh, so it's it got delayed until November. But one of the main things that we have going for us there are our relationships on the ground. So really great relationships with the city council, with the planning commission, with, you know, it's just the relationships that we've had allowed us to get the get the permit in the first place. Nobody else has had, has been able to get a RV park permit since, since us uh, a year and a half ago. And it's just, everything is about relationships, especially there. But I think in, in real estate in general, uh, your, your relationships are, uh, what is that? Your network is your net worth. They're, they're everything, especially with development. And then, then the, the next thing is, you know, that you can be creative in how you structure a deal. You know, a lot of our investors, they they just want, they wanted their money to be able to work for them. You know, they don't necessarily want it to be put away for two years and not get anything back. And so you can structure the deals in such a way so that you can meet everybody's needs. So, okay, you, your money is in it, but you're still making 6% and then it opens up and then you're making, you know, 20 plus percent. So it can... 
you can be creative in how you structure. So that those are the the two main lessons I got from that deal. That's a really good point. The relationships are what's going to make money. I was talking to another female investor, Rizaline. She's in the Bay Area here and she owns a couple properties and kind of house hacks them and gets, she basically only has to work like a third of the time because she has so much money coming in and she reminds me a lot of you. And she talks a lot about how there's a lot of women that are afraid to get into investing because they think they don't know enough. They're going to be taken advantage of by a contractor. They don't know how the numbers work. They think because they're a woman, no one will take them serious. But I would say that there's probably an arguments to be made that women in a lot of ways have a natural advantage when it comes to developing relationships. Like you're just better at it a lot of the time than guys are. We're, we're kind of brought up to not do that. So once you grasp that, that like that's actually an asset that will help you as a business person and put it into play, it goes, you can turn it around from thinking, I can't do this because I'm a woman to, I'm going to do this better because I'm a woman. So I wanted to ask you a question that it, it might be a little odd, but it's still something I think about all the time. Why do you feel like more women don't invest in real estate? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot because, you know, when I, I went to my first, that first syndication seminar and I was like, yeah, I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> this is how you really build wealth. I, you know, maybe out of 120 people, nine women were in that room. And most of the real estate events I go to is very, like the numbers are like, just like that. It's, you know, 90, 90 plus percent male. And I think that there are a few, few reasons and you, you touched on, on one of them. I think uh, it's, it's fear, but I said the first one though, is that women don't, a lot of women just don't know that it's an option for them. Like, like me, uh, at the beginning, I just, it's nothing, nobody ever taught me or told me anything about real estate. I, I just always learned, uh, you go to school, you get a job, the whole like rich dad, poor dad thing. Right. I just, I, I had like middle-class dad and mom, right. That's all I, I learned. And so I just didn't even realize that universe was out there. So that's, I think a lot of women are in that boat. And then the second one is they may know that it's out there and it's a possibility for them, but they don't know the how of it. They don't know what steps they need to take. And so the 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 how is what keeps them paralyzed, even though they could go to bigger pockets and learn. And there's a lot of information out there. But, you know, get figuring like having it broken down for you and being guided, I think, you know, it helps a lot. But a lot of a lot of women just don't know where to where to go exactly. And then there's they may know the what and they may know the how, but then this fear keeps them from going, this fear that they're going to be taken advantage of, this fear that they're going to lose money, this fear. And I think that the antidote for that is community and sisterhood and relationships, but having, you know, mentorship and, and support and models and seeing other, other people that look like you that are doing it and that are successful. And I can say, yeah, here, I've, I've done it. And I can show you how. And do you that, know of a community meant for women, business people and real estate investors that you can recommend? <laughs> how funny you should ask me that. <laughs> I actually do. There's one that I started called Real Estate Investor Goddesses just for that. Because as I, I was going around, I realized that there there just were so few women in the game. And uh, I, th I don't think people, you know, communities like yours are amazing. You guys have so much information and it, obviously it's not uh, unfriendly to women, but a lot of 
it's just there are a lot of men that they see and a lot of women just don't see women that look like them and are then they're just not sure that it's for them and they feel intimidated so having a community that is all women where we learn together where we support one another um it's a sisterhood I call it uh, my antidote to the old boys network. It's our sassy sisters network. So we can support one another, work together. Also, we are still working with the men, but just having this community to lean back on and learn from and be supported by. So that's what real estate and got real estate investor got is all about. That's awesome. So last question before we move on, what do you, what do you see the future look like for you? Like where do you more syndications, bigger deals, smaller deals? Like where are you, where are you headed? Yeah, I just more and bigger, but doing more on the the investor side and and having just being a a conduit for investors, especially women investors and deals. So get like really helping people who have money to invest find find the right deals for them where their their money can grow and do it what they want it to. That's awesome. Love it. Love yeah. it. All right, let's move on to the next segment of the show, which we lovingly refer to as our Fire Round. It's time for the Fire Round. All right, let's get to the Fire Round. These questions are direct out of the Bigger Pockets forum. So they're real life people asking real life questions, and we're going to fire them at you. Number one of the Fire Round. Hi, bigger pockets. Can anyone point me to a direction? Where do I start a syndication? Like, I know it's a very general question, but like, <laughs> if they're just look, they're like, okay, I'm gonna syndicate. What do I do first? Who do I talk uh, to? Get educated first. Okay. Um, you you need to. I mean, it, it's it's not necessarily something that you. It's not going to be your first deal. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have some education. You're have some experience in your belt, but when you want to get syndicated, you need to get educated. And I would recommend where I, I learned from uh, the real estate guys and going to the real estate guys radio. They have a syndication seminar, Secrets of Successful Syndication, which is uh, a really great place to start. Syndication has a lot of legal requirements. You don't, you can't just go out and take people's money. You're going to need legal support. You're going to need mentorship. You're going to really need to know what you're doing. I would not do it uh, without getting uh, getting the right lawyers, the right team in place and knowing exactly what you're doing. You don't want to take anybody's money without knowing what you're doing because you could win yourself free rent in a penitentiary. <laughs> you do know, it, it's, there are a lot of legal requirements. So make sure you really get educated and learn before you get started. I have a really, really good idea. That's really good, by the way, but I have a really good idea. The next book that David and David, you and I should write a book together and Monique, you can help with it. We're going to call okay. it, we're going to call it jail hacking. It's about how to get, <laughs> how to get financially free by committing enough felonies that the government takes care of you for life. Yes. Financial freedom. This is why yes. have I been working so hard? Heard for the whole yeah. rest of life. Yeah, you would you would never have to work again. At least not for more than like nine cents an hour. This is well, you may have to work. Making license plates. <laughs> <laughs> this might actually be the perfect partnership to do it because Monique can be like, here's the strategies that you should use yeah, to you, syndicate. You're a lawyer. 
Yeah. Brandon can handle like, let me show you how you can market while you're in prison. prison there and you go. I can be like, hey, I was a deputy. I worked in jails. This is how you avoid getting shanked while you're doing it. Right. Like <laughs> we can hit every topic and jail hacking could be. Well, I'm thinking, thing. David, you were a cop and Monique, you were a lawyer and I was just causing trouble. So like the three of us should figure out how to get life in prison without actually doing any real damage. So this I think, is I think best selling yeah, book. Totally. All right. All right. We're, we're doing it. Great idea. Right. It'll be the it could be the sequel to Set for Life, Incarcerated yes. for Life. <laughs> How to jail hack your way to financial freedom. I like this. Indicate cigarettes in the Oh, this would be so good. Like, we can We're gonna do it. A lot there. All right. Good idea, Brandon. Mike. Thanks. We're doing <laughs> it. All right. Next question, Monique. When running the numbers on a multifamily deal, any suggestions on what average appreciation I should consider? I've heard inflation has been around 3% for the past 100 years, so should I just use that? Okay. I think you need to look at the market. So I, I, I look at the historical data in that particular market and you know look at it over the past five, 10 years. And I, I use just, just use the historical data, but it is market specific. So yeah. I can't give you like a... You this can't say use 2%, 3%. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's the best answer. Yeah, it's market specific. Look at the data. Very good. Cool. All right, number three. I love this one. How do I find a mentor? No one wants to talk. <laughs> no one seems to want to talk with me. <laughs> that's like a real problem though people have, right? Like they're excited, they're new, they're young. And like yeah. they just can't find anybody that wants to actually like spend all their time talking real estate and teaching them what to do. How do I find that mentor that's going to teach me everything? Yeah, right. So usually instead of thinking about like yourself and how they can help you, it's often helpful if you can think about how you can help them. Right. It's like there's somebody that you want to work with, uh, you want to learn from. You think, how can I add value to them? Um, so yeah. some mentors, you they'll they'll you can they'll mentor you, but you just have to pay for their mentorship. Yeah. So you're adding value by paying for it. And then other times maybe you can go, okay, you do this. I, I found a deal. So I will I will bring you the deal, I'll give you a cut, a big cut, maybe even the majority of it, right? Yep. And you just um and I'll learn from you while we while we do this deal together or, you know, you find out what they need, what they you know, what what would be helpful for them and then see if you can bring bring something to the table. So, um, you know, some people will just give for no reason, but they're not going to give a lot of time generally because people are busy. But if you can think about how can I add value to them, then that that that'll be the best way to get them to help. Yeah. you. I love that you said that, like, like, no matter what, like value is exchanged in a mentorship and it might be you're paying for it. And that's where some people pay 10, 20, 50, hundred thousand dollars for mentorship. And some people find another way to pay for it. Maybe it's through, you know, Starbucks, you know, on a small, on a small scale, or maybe it's through, you know, helping that person relive their childhood, you know, who, who knows? Like there's something that has to, like, there has to be a reason for both parties to want to go do something. And I think the yeah. question itself, like, like, you know, nobody wants to talk to me. I think you're, you hit the nail on the head, right in the head. Like they're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Like, I keep tell, asking everybody to, you know, teach me everything they know. Well, of course, like, why would they want to waste their time? So, yeah. Yeah. Just be, be other focused. So, you know, what I, what I've learned from my mentors is it's never, ever, 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 ever about you. Like really, if you can make it about the other person and think about how can you serve them mm-hmm. or what's the Zig Ziglar quote, you can get anything you want as long yep. as you help enough other people get what they want. Um, so really be thinking about like, how can I get help other people get what they want? And then you'll, 
will be able to get what you want. Okay. So last question of the fire round, I actually want to ask each of you, and I'm just going to expand on the one that you just responded to Monique. Give me an example of the wrong way to approach somebody looking for a mentorship so that our listeners can avoid doing certain things. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't, I don't know you, but here, here, I have this deal. I, I, I heard your podcast and I like you and I have this deal and here's uh-huh. this like a uh, 30 page deal that uh-huh. I would love for you to analyze for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, and let me know if I should invest in this <laughs> just, yeah. uh, going, yeah. going right into like here, yeah. like, or here's a like, job. Please yeah. do this job for me for free and for then I'll free. call you my mentor so I don't have to feel guilty about asking for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yep. isn't it great to be a mentor? Yeah. You love giving back. It's like, yes, and <laughs> <laughs> back- Brandon. <laughs> That's funny. I'm I'm gonna go with the I've had this a few times, like I you know, the the random email that's hey, I, I I'm wondering if I can pick your brain, first of all, which is the phrase, right? I want to pick your brain. I live three hours away from you. Can we meet halfway? I love that one. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm not going to drive an hour and a half for a cup of coffee. Like, no, I don't have a car right now. Can you drive the whole way? No, no. Yeah. Anyway. It would literally be cheaper for me to mail you the Starbucks card yeah. that you were going to buy my coffee <laughs> than to drive all the way there to meet you. Yeah, to pick your brain. Yeah. My my favorite is when they're like, "Hey, I want to bring value to you, so tell me what you need, and I'll see if I can do it." Yeah, and like, like you're now putting responsibility on me to yep. figure out what are you good at and how can I train you for free to do something that I would have saved time had I done it myself. So yeah, that's yep. very yep. good. Like, don't be that person that wants to develop a relationship and you put the onus on the person you want to mentor you to figure out how to do it. Like, yeah. put the onus on yourself to figure out what you're good at, what you can, uh, what you can bring to the table, and see if that's something that will work for them. Yeah. All right. I love it. All right. Well, that is the end of our fire round. Now it's time to head over to the last segment of the show, which we call our famous four. All right. Let's get to the famous four. These are the same four questions we ask every guest every week. And uh, we want to see what you got to say, Monique. Number one, what's your favorite real estate related book? My favorite real estate related book is probably the Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The classic purple the the classic it it got me well yeah it helped shift shift my mind a lot so yeah the little purple book great what is your favorite business book my favorite business book is uh going pro by stephen pressfield which is sort of business sort of art artistic but you read it it's short but it kicks your Tokus. <laughs> so I've read the yeah. first one, right? I've read uh, the the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, which was yeah. it's in my top three books of all time. I think it's so it's good, great. But turning, turning I've not pro read Pro Turning Pro. Is it's even like you'll read it and it's so good, and then you're going. All right, I'm gonna buy it right now. Like like ouch! Like I wow! It just beats you in the head with what you're not doing, but it, in a good way. In a good way, it's brilliant. That's awesome. I'm gonna totally pick it up today. You should. Okay, tell us about some of your hobbies. I. I'm a yogi, so I love yoga and world traveling is probably my, that's my, that's my jam. That's my, my favorite thing to just hop in a plane and go somewhere. Favorite location? Favorite location. Well, 
Thailand is one of my favorite places in the whole world and Paris for different things and Buenos Aires, but also now Sydney because my husband's from there. My in-laws are there and I'm just, I love going to Sydney. Super cool. I've not been to Sydney on my list. You need to go, go as soon as you can. (laughs) All right. What sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Mindset. It's really, uh, it's how people think, you know, their beliefs about themselves, their beliefs about money, their beliefs about just what, what they can accomplish and deservability. You know, ultimately, if somebody feels that wealthy people are bad or money is bad, they're not going to do what they need to do in order to become wealthy. If they think, that they are not deserving of some some way fundamentally, then they're not going to be able to ask or, you know, go get into those relationships that are crucial because they're going to think, well, you know, why would anybody want to work with me? So it's really about helping to like having the right mindset and it can, it can be shifted. But if you feel like, oh, I couldn't do that because no one's going to want to work with me or, you know, or any of that, if any of that comes up, then it's a, you have a mindset issue. That's Great. so good. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Final question of the famous four. Where can people find out more about you? Really the fifth question of the famous four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It should be the famous five. It's all good. Doesn't flow Uh, as well. Anyway, where do people find you? They find me. The best place would be to go to realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. And um, that's for the ladies. Go to realestateinvestorgoddesses.com and you can find me there. And for anybody else who wants to find me just in the investor side, you can go to vip-assets.com. That's my that's my investment syndication website. Awesome. All right. Well, good deal, Monique. This has been a fantastic interview. It's been a lot of fun learning from you and uh, kind of hearing your journey and your story. So, uh, you know, can't wait to see where you head off in the future. And uh, I admire what you're doing, you know, uh, quite a bit. I mean, the fact that you're doing syndication is super cool. The fact that you're inspiring women across the world. I know you mentioned earlier you have like this mission to help a million women achieve that financial independence, right? Like that's just so cool. Uh, so keep it up. You're doing awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Monique. This has been great and uh, one of my favorite podcasts that we've done. I appreciate you being on here. And with that being said, this is David Green for Brandon, the overcompensating beard turner, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. 
Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.